Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. I'm with us right now. We have the one, the only Jay Scott from the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And Jay, of course, you have a lot of notoriety as well with your company, Scott Bill. Thank you so much for joining us on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. Oh, my pleasure. So glad to be here. Thanks, Josh. First off, I have to say thank you so much. It was truly one of the greatest honors of my 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 history of uh, of doing what I do in in being invited to be on the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And so that was a couple of m- a few months ago. If you go back and subscribe right now, because I can tell you that listening to Jane Carroll, uh, you guys are like professional broadcasters. You, oh, you know, we, at least we are run the show very, it. very well. <laughs> Th- thank you. We're only about 25 episodes in, so we have a whole lot to learn, but uh, it's great. It was great interviewing you. I mean, yeah. when, when you interview somebody that makes it easy for us, yeah, we look mm-hmm. good because, because you guys make us look good. <laughs> I, you know, I have one of those strings on my back with a little <laughs> ring and you basically you could pull it. And then I, blah, 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 blah. you know, I just go right through it. <laughs> I, I've noticed that people that are used to being on, on the other side of the microphone that are used to hosting yeah. podcasts make the best guests because yeah, they just make it so easy. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right. So there you go. There's, there's the standard you need to hit. So, uh, so Jay, kind of starting off, um, talk about how you got into starting Scott Bill, you're the partner and co-founder of Scott Bill. Yeah, so my wife and I are co-founders, partners. We've been partners in the real estate business and all of our investments for about 11 years now. Uh, we met back in 2006 in Silicon Valley. We were both in the tech world. I was working at Microsoft. She was at eBay. We were both doing the uh, the working 80 hours a week. She was traveling <laughs> literally three and a half weeks a month. I was traveling two weeks a month. Um, and so we realized that once we decided to get married, it's just there was no way that was going to be sustainable. We couldn't start a family and raise a family with both of us working the way we were. So in 2008, spring of 2008, we decided to get married. Uh, it was a, about a five-minute conversation where we decided, hey, we need to just leave our jobs. We need to go start something else uh, where we can put family first, lifestyle first. So we picked up, we moved to Atlanta in summer of 2008, uh, which those that were paying attention back then uh, was the the height or the bottom of the uh, the the big recession. Uh, real estate market had gotten absolutely crushed. We moved to Atlanta, which is probably one of the worst hit cities in the country. But somehow, and, and yeah. it's, it's a long story that doesn't really matter, but somehow we fell into real estate. We ended up deciding to flip a couple houses uh, while we were waiting to figure out what we wanted that next business to be. And after flipping a couple houses, we realized, well, wait a second, we're pretty good at this. And we've actually figured out mm-hmm. how to navigate this tough market. So um, after three or four or five houses, we said, well, maybe this is going to be our next venture. So uh, we kind of devoted our lives full-time or our, biz- our professional lives full-time to real estate 
starting in 2008. And here we are 11 years later, we've done about uh, 500 transactions, done about 300. <laughs> we've done about 300 flips. We've done rentals, multifamily notes, mobile homes, lending, uh, syndications, a little bit of everything. That's amazing. So how did you not screw it up in those first, that very first one that you did or second one or third one? Did you, did you spend a lot of time just being a student and just studying and analyzing everything? Obviously, you took action at some point. So, so that's a big presumption that we didn't screw up. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, you didn't screw up bad enough that you stopped. We'll say it that way. Well, I always half joke, and it's actually, there's probably more, it's more serious than joking. Uh, we were very lucky that we bought our first three houses in the first two weeks that we started. Um, because had we not done that, had we bought our first house and waited to see how that went before we bought any more, we likely never would have bought number two or three or 50 or a hundred because that first house was a, a big learning experience for us. We, we made essentially every mistake in the book. We overpaid for the property. We underestimated the repair costs. We underestimated the amount of time it would take to sell the property. We overestimated the amount we could sell the property for. At the end of the day, we listed the property too high. It didn't oh. sell. Um, we ended up renting it. We put in a lease purchase buyer. Two and a half years later, they left the place in the middle of the night, trashed. Um, so we did, a, <sighs> we did a second rehab two and a half years later. And finally, after three years, we eventually sold that first property. Now, luckily, we had done about 50, 60, 70 properties in the meantime. So we knew what we were doing by the time we did that second rehab. Um, the market helped us a little bit. Things were a little bit better. But the fact that we had always been tremendously conservative, I'm a very conservative person when it comes to investments in numbers. The fact that we were tremendously conservative, we were able to make all of those mistakes, pretty much every mistake you can imagine on that first deal. No, and we I'm still kidding. walked away with a profit, a very small profit. It was about $1,200, yeah. um, but profit nonetheless. So you say you're fairly conservative, yet I think that there's some people, when they hear that you did three properties in two weeks, that sounds like, okay, I can't even identify with that kind of activity. That was probably the biggest risk we've taken in this business. Uh, starting out yeah. with three properties before we really had a business model, before we really knew what we were doing. Um, but when I say conservative, I mean, I, I spent a long time figuring out how to analyze deals, how to look at the numbers. Um, mm. I'm, I've always been somebody, I manage businesses back in the corporate world. So for me, the, the numbers and understanding the business model and understanding the analysis of the investment, that was, that's what I'm good at. So, um, Luckily, we we were um, we were more accurate on our numbers for the second and third property. Um, but again, we weren't so far off on the first property that even though it took a long time, we were able to make all those mistakes and we still walked away with a small profit. So so I kind of I tell anybody that's getting into any type of investing, but especially real estate, it's hard to lose a lot of money. You have to make a lot of mistakes to lose a lot of hmm. money. And as long as you're fairly conservative you should be able to walk away from that first project, even if you make a lot of mistakes with uh, a little bit of a profit or worst case break even. So there, there's not as much risk in real estate as a lot of people think. So flipping real estate, how accessible do you think that this is to the average person? Certainly things have gotten tougher over the last 10 years. Um, we're at the point in the economic cycle here, uh, this interview for anybody that might be watching it months or years in the future, we're, we're in uh, the, the fall of 2019. Uh, the economic cycle is certainly, we're, we're nearing a peak or we're at a peak. Uh, some would yeah. say we might even be a little bit over the peak. Uh, but 
things are a lot tougher than they were a few years ago. But what I always like to say is when it comes to real estate, there's never a perfect time to buy. It's either going to be easy to buy and difficult to sell, or it's going to be difficult to buy and easy to sell. Back when we started in 2008, it was easy to buy. We could literally throw a dart at the MLS and whatever it hit was probably going to be a really, really cheap deal. It's probably going to be a great deal, but the difficulty was on reselling it. There weren't a lot of buyers out there. The buyers couldn't get financing. So selling was the difficult part. Here we are in 2019 and selling's easy. Uh, Basically, you put it out there and you're going to have 10 offers in the first weekend, but the buying part's difficult. So mm-hmm. at any point in the, in the market cycle, you're going to find it's either going to be difficult to buy or it's going to be difficult to sell. So you just have to get really good at both sides of the equation. You have to get really good at the marketing on the sale, on the, on the purchase side, finding deals, being able to market for deals. And you have to get really good at the marketing and sales on the back end. And if you can do both of those things, wherever we are in the market cycle, you should be okay. What if we're just kind of, as you say, kind of over the precipice, and what if we start going into, it's crashing down, but it's a process that might take 6, 12, 18 months, you know, for, you know, the market continue to fall like that. Is it kind of was like, well, this is where we come, maybe take a little time off, because if you buy something now, you're going to lose money on it, you know, if you don't hustle on that deal. Uh, and get that out the door. I mean, what would you do in, in that kind of an economic situation? Yeah, I, I have a lot of these discussions today. That's that's, <laughs> that's that's the big question. And what I would suggest for anybody that isn't experienced in flipping houses, sitting on the sidelines, taking the next couple months, couple years, however long it takes before we actually see that downturn uh, and the correction, um, take that time and use it as an opportunity to learn. Use it as an mm. opportunity to read, to study, to follow other investors, and yeah. be prepared when the market is more cooperative for flipping houses. Now, for those that have flipped houses in the past that that may have a little bit more experience, there are certainly things that we can be doing at this point in the market cycle. So the things that we're doing in our business, and we're still flipping, um, some of the things that we're doing, one, we're keeping projects quick. Like you said, it can take three, six, nine, 12 months to, to, to complete a deal. We're not doing any of the projects that would typically take six, nine, or 12 months anymore. We're not doing any new mm-hmm. construction or new development. We're not doing any projects that require uh, long um, lead times for permits. We're not doing yeah, um, yeah. things that are like um, um, adding square footage or adding a second floor. We're basically focused on those deals that we can be in and out of in three months. So that way, if the market does start to turn, hopefully it's not a, a, a crash in, in a short period of time. Hopefully it's a, a more um, uh, a linear or, or more uh, gradated um, downturn. And so by the sure. time we're out of a deal or ready to get out of a deal, um, we haven't lost all of our profit. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the other thing I tell people is 2008 was probably the worst market we're likely to see for a while. Um, Certainly it could be worse, but I like to use 2008 as kind of a benchmark for worst case scenario. So what I tell people is look at what happened in your area back in 2008 and assume Mm -hmm. that's your worst case scenario in 2019 or 2020. Um, So in, we've done a lot of flips in Maryland and in Maryland on average, market dropped about 16%. The real estate market in the areas where we're flipping in Maryland dropped about 16% back in 2008. Mm -hmm. So what I like to tell people is if you're flipping in that market, make sure that your profit margins are at least 16%. There you go. So that way, (laughs) if we see the worst case scenario, the the 2008 scenario, we basically wipe away all our profit, but we don't necessarily go negative on our deals. 
Yeah. Now, Orlando, on the hand, other hand, I believe, Absolutely. a little bit more than 16%. <laughs> we, we, we are very conservative in Florida. Florida, uh, the, the biggest thing to get hit during a downturn is tourists, tourism. So yeah. any tourism areas, if you're in San Diego or Las Vegas or Orlando or other parts of Florida, you're very susceptible to, uh, to getting hit hard yeah. during a downturn. So I tell people in those areas, be much, much more conservative or now's a good time to be sitting on the sidelines. Nice, nice. Okay. So um, you and Carol are, are doing a lot of uh, properties. Uh, and, and then at some point, you decide, you know, uh, maybe we should help others with this. Maybe we should educate other people with this. Maybe we should put our, our learnings into a book, that, that sort of thing. I, explain what gave you the audacity to think that you could now become an expert? <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, I, it's funny. I, I don't think of myself in a, as an expert, or at least I yeah. did. Um, but I've always loved teaching. And, yes. I, and back in 2008, uh, about three months before we bought our first property, maybe six months before we bought our first property, I started a blog called 123flip.com, where mm-hmm. I decided I was going to chronicle my first project or my first projects, uh, basically the nitty gritty details, like down to the penny, uh, videos, pictures, um, uh, architectural drawings, so that people that were interested in potentially flipping houses could learn from all the mistakes we were making, learn from the, hopefully the, some of the successes we were having could follow along. It was basically an accountability um, item for me. It was something that, Hey, people are seeing me say, I'm going to go flip a house and it forces me to actually do it because I'm writing a blog every day and people are relying on me to, to keep the forward momentum going. So I ended up chronicling over the next couple of years, my first 50 deals. And each of these wow. deals, literally down to the penny, um, pictures, videos, successes, oh, failures. Uh, every day I would write one or two blog posts and it was quite an undertaking, but I love it because it was an opportunity for me to analyze my business, to analyze my deals, to figure out what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong. And what I found was between 2008 and 2012, I got a very large readership for that blog. And people were very appreciative of all the information we were sharing because back then a lot of house flippers didn't want to go into their nitty gritty financial details. Um, They just kind of wanted to gloss over things. And so we weren't scared to share our mistakes and, and, and all the things we were doing wrong and all the things we were learning. So I was getting a ridiculous amount of email, phone calls, requests to go to lunch, to grab coffee. (laughs) I'm a tremendous introvert. And people hear me on the podcast or meet me in places and I do a good job of trying to hide that, but it's really hard for me to take phone calls and do lunches. And I, my wife is great at that. Carol's fantastic at that, but it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to talk to strangers. So in 2012, Carol suggested, so you have all this information. People want all this information in a nice organized fashion. Instead of going to lunch and talk to people on the phone, why don't you write a book? And so you can right. tell people, here's the information. And it was never a money-making opportunity for me. It was never, hey, I can, I'm an expert. I'm, I want to be an author. I want to be a recognized um, uh, expert in this field. It was really, I just want people to stop calling me and asking me to go to lunch. <laughs> so in 2012, I wrote a book. One of the chapters ended up being really, really long. So that ended up being a second book. So in 2012, I wrote two books. I released that wow. at the beginning of 2013 and things just kind of blew up um, and people loved the books. And mm-hmm. I'm now on my fifth book. We've sold uh, over 200,000 copies. Um, three of Great. them have been bestsellers on Amazon. And so it was, it really was, it was accidental. Uh, I, I never intended to try and be 
an authority or an expert. Um, but one of the things I found is, is that just by sharing information, just by trying to give back as much as I can, um, I, I've, I've had a lot of attention come to me as well. So it's been a, a good yeah. two-way street. So uh, for someone who's got Amazon open right now, what, what are the titles of those books? Yeah, so uh, the book on flipping houses was my, I guess, seminal <laughs> work, if you want to call it that. It sounds funny to call it that. But the book on flipping houses is probably what I'm best known for. Uh, the book on estimating rehab costs, the book on negotiating real estate, which I wrote with my wife, Carol, and my wrote, most recent book, which is all about economic cycles and how to invest in uh, throughout the, the economic cycle uh, called recession-proof real estate investing. And I would imagine on your website, you've got an index to all of those. What is that website? Yeah, it's jscott.com. Um, so I finally splurged earlier this year and, and I've been trying to negotiate the, the purchase of jscott.com, just the letter J, scott.com um, for about two years now. And finally, I just splurged and, and bought it. So you can find out more about me in the books there. Yeah. Well, congratulations on owning your name. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the process of writing a book, um, did, did that come easy for you? I'm an engineer by trade and by education and by mindset. So I yeah. write very much like an engineer. And I think that's one of the <laughs> things that a lot of people appreciate. And again, I don't take credit for it because I couldn't do it differently if I wanted to. But I think a lot of people appreciate that a lot of real estate books out there are written as, as more narratives, they're stories, they're motivational I have trouble writing in that style with stories and, and making things motivational. I write like an engineer. So I write like a textbook. Mm -hmm. And I think that there was a gap in, in the real estate education market, in the book market for textbook type uh, uh, pieces of work. And right. so for me, I literally sat down and I mapped it out like a textbook. Uh, there's 20 chapters in my flipping book and each step, each chapter is the next step in the process. So there's basically 20 steps in getting to your first flip deal and getting through your first flip deal. And so the book is written as essentially as a step-by-step how-to guide. Um, I've had some people who have said, yeah, you need more stories, you need more motivation. Um, and But for the most part, people have been like, this is exactly what I want. This is, this right. is a, a no-fluff step-by-step. And yeah. so that, that's what I'm good at. And so I, I've kind of found, found my niche in writing real estate textbook type uh, uh, yeah. things. So from there, how did you get connected with Bigger Pockets? I actually started with Bigger Pockets in 2008. I joined before I ever did my first deal. Um, I, I used the, the, the community the same way most people do to learn how to flip houses, to learn how to do real estate deals, to learn how to analyze deals. And again, I, I love giving back. I love writing about what I'm doing. I love using my failures and my mistakes to teach other people. So in addition to my blog that I started in 2008, I started documenting a lot of my deals on bigger pockets. I would write um, basically uh, posts about the mistakes I was making on a daily basis. I would mm -hmm. chronicle the deals on bigger pockets. And so um, I became very very, uh, uh, very much a part of that community. I became friends with the founder, uh, Josh Dorkin back in 2009. And, um, I was a business guy. And so I wasn't a real estate guy. So when Josh found out that I was contributing so much and I was a business guy, he said, Hey, I'd love to talk to you more about the site. So I helped him with, with some of his, with, with some of the CTO type responsibilities on the site mm -hmm. early on. And, and I just, I was kind of his sounding board for a few years and we became really good friends. Um, 2012, after I'd written the books, I said to Josh, Hey, I have these two books. I'm getting ready to self publish them. How about bigger pockets publishing them? Uh -huh. And, and he said, huh, 
interesting. I said, in fact, I don't see why Bigger Pockets doesn't publish a whole lot of books. I'll go, I'll start writing a lot of books for Bigger Pockets. And so that was kind of the, the incarnation of the Bigger Pockets publishing brand. Oh my gosh. So. Wow. And then at some point, then uh, the, a conversation came about uh, that Bigger Pockets should expand and offer a business podcast. And, and how did that come about? Yeah, so Bigger Pockets launched the their real estate podcast back in 2013, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua Dorkin, Brandon Turner, anybody that's in real estate probably knows those two names. They mm-hmm. they founded a podcast back in 2013, which is um, the biggest real estate podcast on the planet. It is one of the top 50 most popular of all yeah. podcasts on the planet. They've had 65 million downloads over the last six years. It's mm-hmm. just absolutely fantastic, just an amazing resource. In 2018, Bigger Pockets decided to launch their second podcast, which was Bigger Pockets Money. I think you're probably familiar with that one yep. with Mindy Jensen and Scott Trench. And mm-hmm. so that was that was a great success and great podcast. And then in 2018, they approached me and asked if I would do a podcast. Um, we talked for a little while, um, and I didn't really want to do anything that was real estate related. I felt like I, I had talked a lot about real estate and yeah. I was ready to talk about something else. So they asked what I would like to talk about. And I said, I'd like to talk about business because as real estate investors, we're also business owners. Yeah. And too often we don't think about the business side of real estate investing. We think of ourselves as, as we do deals, but we don't just do deals. We run a business and, and in many ways, a real estate business is no different than any other business that has any other type of inventory, a restaurant, selling shoes, um, selling clothes, whatever it is. Basically, it's just that houses and property are our inventory. So yep. I wanted to, I, I said, I'd love to do a, a podcast that talks more about being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, running a business, growing, scaling a business. They thought it was a good idea. Um, my wife was really excited about it and and they said, we'd love to have her as well. So in April or May of 2019, this year, um, Carol and I launched the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And we basically talked to uh, both entrepreneurs and experts uh, in, in business. And so you, you were one of our expert guests, obviously, and, and mm-hmm. great episode, but we've talked to a whole lot of fantastic entrepreneurs, small entrepreneurs, big entrepreneurs, and, and just hear their stories and, and get their actionable tips on how our listeners can build and scale and grow their businesses. So Jay, aside from the Bigger Pockets podcast, obviously you're still doing a lot of work with Scott Built. Um, are you comfortable in sharing uh, your your other project yet, or is that still uh, behind the curtain? No, I'm 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 I think I know what you're talking about. So this is more Carol's project, but uh, uh-huh. Carol has been talking for a few years uh, about launching a what's called a concierge concierge brokerage, um, mm-hmm. which is basically a traditional real estate brokerage, but they also, the, the brokers also help with the design side and the construction side and staging and basically a full service brokerage for somebody that, that wants to not just buy or sell a house, but also do some work, renovate and, and get top dollar. So she just, um, and with your help as well, um, she just launched a, uh, her concierge brokerage, Scott Silver Concierge Realty uh, here in Sarasota, Florida, just about two weeks ago. And uh, we're just getting that off the ground, but that's a, a really exciting venture for her and I'm helping yeah. her out there. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Well, Jay Scott, uh, again, partner co-founder of Scott Built with his lovely wife, Carol. By the way, if you ever get the chance to meet Jay and Carol, 
you guys are just just magnetic. Uh, you, you know, very, very, very cool couple. Um, I'm so grateful that we uh, that, that we met in person at Podcast Movement. Uh, of course, uh, co-host again with Carol of the uh, Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, and uh, and then of course uh, we'll give a shout out to Carol and uh, with uh, and it was um, Scott Silver, right? Uh, yep. Console, and, Scott, and what's the website? Is there, is there there's a website? Yep, it's, it, it's scottsilverrealty.com. Nice, nice. All right, Jay Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, thanks so much for having me on. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're gonna promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.